From WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Bob Pavlovich. On today's show, the deadline to register to vote in the upcoming presidential preference primary is Saturday, March 2nd. We'll find out what you need to do to participate. While many give up something for Lent, we'll hear about the other ways you can atone. But first, it's Thursday, and that means it's time to catch up on politics with the Times-Picayune, the Advocate's editorial director and columnist, Stephanie Grace. Steph, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Governor Landry continues to be awfully busy as he looks to upend state government in so many ways. It's getting hard to keep track of. That's why we have you here. So let's start with Uh the special session on crime, which is winding down early. Um, It is, which is in some ways a little surprising because there are so many big changes on the table, but also maybe not so surprising in a way because these special sessions, we talked about this last week, they're kind of set up to move legislation very quickly without allowing for a lot of debate or, frankly, letting the opposition get very well organized. Mm -hmm. So the status of the key bills? Well, you know, some things we already know, it is still going on now, but one thing that we do expect will become law at this point is what proponents call constitutional carry, and I'm making quotation marks with my fingers. Mm -hmm. Um, This basically allows people over 18 to carry handguns without a permit and without any required training. Um, As you'd imagine, there's a lot of concern over this, including from a number of policing agencies. Mm -hmm. But it's an idea that's become law in a lot of conservative states, and it actually previously passed the Louisiana legislature, but John Bell Edwards vetoed it. Jeff Landry will not veto it, I guarantee you that. Another thing that's also basically settled at this point is a new law that will treat 17-year-olds charged with felonies as adults. Um, This is a reversal of an earlier reform, one of a number of earlier reversals of criminal justice reform measures. And it's also raised some real concerns about, you know, whether this is appropriate treatment, but, you know, not enough concern to stop it. It it barreled through and it's going to happen, it looks like. And another thing concerning juveniles that will happen is there's a bill that will make juvenile court proceedings um, involving violent public offenses public. That looks like it's passing too, and we'll get the governor's signature. A few other things still going through the final stages, but are likely to become law They include drastic reductions in parole and credit for good time served. And this is, again, a reversal of the 2017 criminal justice reforms that had really widespread bipartisan support to reduce the the mass incarceration that has made Louisiana, you know, the nation's and really world's leader in incarceration. Again, there's pushback. There's no real evidence that these proposals will reduce crime as, you know, the proponents contend. And there is evidence that they will cost the state more. Proponents have really kind of brushed those aside and pushed these bills through, and they do look like they'll pass. The governor has gotten some pushback on some issues. The one that springs to mind are the legislators uh, basically killing, redrawing state Supreme Court districts. Right. And, you know, these are always such political conversations because they affect individual politicians' ability to get elected easily, which is what they want. It's always their top priority. They have allies in the legislature. In this case, Landry backed a proposal that would add a second majority Black Supreme Court district out of seven in the state. And that's something that pretty much everyone agrees is warranted by the population. Mm -hmm. And it would also end long-running voting rights litigation. But- you know, what always seems to happen in these cases is individual people's politics get involved. And in this case, this it's the Senate that pushed back and killed the measure. 
because the bill that was presented to them could not be amended. It, it meant that they couldn't kind of adjust the districts the way individual people wanted them to because it was designed to settle a lawsuit. So they killed it. It's likely to come back in the spring session. So we will hear from it again. This, you know, it is an issue that needs to be resolved. But, you know, I think it's an interesting pattern that we're starting to see that the Senate specifically, you know, not the House so much, but the Senate is pushing back on Landry sometimes, mm -hmm. even though they're all Republicans. And, you know, the expectation was that they would be very much in sync. In the minute that we have left, the governor's turned into an idea machine. You know, that's really true. He's just kind of proposing one thing after another. And, you know, unlike the bills in the legislature, there are things he can do unilaterally through executive order. One thing he did recently was he made a change to the controversial state industrial tax exemption program. It's known as ITEP. He did keep a change that John Bell Edwards implemented, which was you know, conservatives pushed back against back then that would allow local governments to basically get at least 20% of the property taxes from companies, even the companies that get, you know, the, the tax forgiveness in this bill. Mm -hmm. But he made a different industry-friendly change. He got rid of the requirement that companies that get these tax breaks in order to build facilities or expand facilities guarantee that they'll create a certain number of jobs. Mm. And, you know, this is just one of a number of industry-friendly changes he is looking to make unilaterally or has made without legislative involvement. Stephanie Grace, the Times-Picayune, the Advocate's editorial director and columnist. Thanks again for being here. Okay, thank you. From WRKF in Baton Rouge and WWNO in New Orleans, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Bob Pavlovich. The Lenten season that follows Carnival's time of excess and indulgence is set aside by many Christians as days of atonement, introspection, reflection, and repentance. Its inspiration comes from Jewish traditions of fasting and penance. It's the yearly reminder that we are dust and to dust we shall return. But not just the reminder of our own mortality, but a reminder of our failings in the treatment of others. How does that last bit fit into our 21st century mindset? Joining us to talk a bit about Lent and our contemporary attitudes is Father John D. Cunningham, Vice President of Mission and Identity at Loyola University, New Orleans. Thank you for joining us, Father Cunningham. Thank you, Bob, for having me here today. Lent is a time where we examine our motivations, our desires, where we've fallen short. Has that changed very much in the church's history? No, as you started, yes, the idea of Lent uh, has its roots in Jewish faith, but also uh, it comes out of our Gospels as well. So uh, in the early life of Jesus, I think when he was about 30 years old, uh, he's baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist, and we're told that the Spirit led him into the desert for this 40 days of trial. Mm -hmm. And in that time, it's a fascinating period, He, it, the desert was a spooky place, uh, a lot of deprivation. You couldn't get food, water, and various accounts of that story have him being challenged by wild beasts and demons uh, as kind of a, a mortification. And then from the uh, 40 days, he begins his mission. Mm -hmm. In the Christian faith, we basically live a calendar which follows, we call it the liturgical calendar, 
follows Jesus's life. And this period of Lent is a period for us to introspect ourselves. Now you ask, how has it changed over the years? It's interesting to me and my life as a priest, it was always pretty much, there was this period where it was giving up things that we liked. Uh, and the idea was, is that when you're deprived of those things, at some level, it makes you think about other things. Um, I'll give an example. One thing I really learned, uh, I had to go through some medical procedures in which you had to fast. And I remember going through that period and in the middle of it thinking, what's it like for a person who can't get food, uh, who is deprived of food? Mm -hmm. It's not just giving it up because they want to. And it makes you think about your life and the gifts that you have and the blessings you have, but also to care about others. And then there was a period where it was funny, it was Catholics in particular were told, maybe it's not so much giving up something, but actually doing something positive, going beyond. And so the case I just gave where somebody would volunteer to work at a food bank or volunteer to work, work at a soup kitchen in that period to give. What I'm finding is with young people in particular, uh, the giving up has come back in a strong way. Actually, I would say it's a hybrid. But one of the things I've, I've noticed is the strong emphasis on the environment. Uh, young people are very much aware of the planet's frailty, and particularly with global warming and all the issues that seem to be going on worldwide. One core issue in that consumption is a core piece of why the environment has been destroyed. We want more things. We want more energy. We want more objects. Uh, we have more plastic. Uh, we're throwing it away. And so a lot of young people are looking at Lent as a time maybe to embrace the environment, but to say, I don't need all these things. And that giving up these things is actually a good thing for not only myself, but also to be a contributor to the fact that this gift of creation, God's gift of creation, um, has to be honored and sustained. And I, I, it's very commendable. I think it's a great thing. I think it, it's a challenge for us to be blunt. Maybe uh, we live in an economy, which is a wonderful economy. It's taking care of us in many ways, mm -hmm. but it's also built on consumption. And um, maybe cutting back in certain areas of our life is a great gift. We're speaking with Father John D. Cunningham, Vice President of Mission and Identity at Loyola, New Orleans. Religious studies professor uh, Vegan Goroyan likens Lent to that first jump for him into his garden after a, a winter. He describes it as being a nasty, it's a mess, but by facing the weeds for him, it's like facing our failings where we can begin the process of renewing ourselves spiritually. Is that what Lent can be? I'm a Jesuit and we're an international group and I've interacted with uh, African Jesuits, for instance, who... Uh, when they listen to the readings in the liturgical year, they're surprised. They never understood, for instance, particularly Lent. Uh, we're here in beautiful New Orleans. The sun's out. It's not so severe, but I lived many years up north. February is a very dark, desolate time. The trees are dead. If there's snow, it's filthy. <laughs> mm -hmm. But in the midst of Lent, you start to see the emergence of spring. And that's the whole idea of Easter in the end was the flowers and the celebration of life and yes, resurrection. So you're right. I think that's a good analogy of looking, at, particularly in this time, we looking maybe the garden is our inner life and to look at areas of our lives in which there is some dead wood there. Uh, maybe there is some things that have been hurt by freezes, <laughs> okay? And then we want to kind of 
clean out the garden in a sense. And I like that. I'm a gardener, so I, I really mm-hmm. like that. That's good. In our turning outward and dedicating ourselves to helping others, are we ignoring perhaps the time where we should turn inward and take stock of, uh, for yeah, example, you know, our failings? That's a good point. Um, it's simplistic, but there's an argument that the cross, which is the symbol of Christianity, has both its horizontal version and it, its its vertical line, and that our faith really comes down to both. The vertical line represents really our prayer life, um, our contact with God, uh, those things we're working on our interior as we kind of face God, and that the horizontal is our community, that we aren't alone in this, uh, and that's why it's so wonderful, particularly in Lent, um, when we get to Holy Week, you know, a lot of people come out to these services because they want to be a part of the community. We are not individuals in a sense. Before God, yes, but also we're a community. And so, yeah, that horizontal part is that reaching out to our community, which may be suffering. You know, there's famous gospel passages where Jesus basically goes through a long list and he says, whatever you did to the least of my people, you've done to me. And he goes to this long list when you were hungry you gave me to eat, you know, so we see that reaching out to each other is an important part of our faith too. So I would say in the end, um, Lent is kind of a hybrid in the sense of both interior, but also exterior and and reaching out to others. The start of Ash Wednesday, Lent, our most recent one happened to also be Valentine's Day. Is (laughs) that more apt than we realize that despite our deficiencies, we're still loved? (laughs) Exactly. I love it. Yes. Good questions. That's the the bottom line is really we have a loving God who wants the best from us. And we have to realize that the sinful aspects of our lives damage ourselves, but they damage each other. In the end of the day, where it's a call from God to really come closer. And that's that's the wonderful part of Lent is at the end of the day, and particularly the end of the season, is the wonderful celebration of the resurrection. You know, one of the things people don't realize when I talk about giving up things is that when you give up something, on that Sunday, the Sundays of Lent, and we say 40 days, it's actually more than 40 because the Sundays don't count mm-hmm. in the total. That's a day of celebration. You know, at the end of the day, we know there's this wonderful gift of faith in our lives and the person of Jesus Christ. Yes. What is the one thing you want us to know about Lent? I guess I think all the major faiths take a period of time to realize that we are a wonderful gift from God but we do make mistakes and we do sin. It's good for us to stop and say as humans, what I did was wrong and I don't want that anymore and I want to move on. Father John D. Cunningham, Vice President of Mission and Identity at Loyola University, New Orleans. Thank you for your time and your insights. Thank you so much. Thank you. From WRKF in Baton Rouge and WWNO in New Orleans, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Bob Pavlovich. If you haven't already registered to vote or updated your voter information for Louisiana's upcoming presidential primary, your deadline is this Saturday, March 2nd, and you must register by that time online. To help us sort through what must be done to be eligible to vote is president of the Louisiana Registrar Voters Association, Steve Rayburn. Thanks for joining us, Steve. Well, good to be with you today. First, Louisiana's presidential primary is a closed primary. Can you remind us what that means? 
Well, you're correct about that. This is um, under current law. This is our only closed primary uh, of our four-year election cycle. And so only Democrats can vote in the, the Democratic presidential preference primary and only Republicans can vote in the Republican presidential preference primary. Despite the recent special session on congressional districts and the changes made to the so-called state's jungle primary system, we're still operating under the old system of elections in 2024. Is, is that correct? That's right. Um, you know, the recent changes enacted by the legislature won't take effect until 2026. So we're still under the old rules here for for this year's primary. And um, current rules don't allow the no party uh, voters to to cross over into the party elections in this primary. When will the uh, the new rules kick in? Uh, for the primary elections in 2026. This is a national primary. How does that change Louisiana's voting method? Well, aside from the closed primary, you know, that that's really the biggest thing. No, no other big issues uh, that voters need to be aware of other than the typical things. You know, you have to be a registered voter to be able to participate. But for some voters, there may be nothing on their ballot this time around, which a lot of times voters don't understand. Um, if they're not registered with one of the, the the major parties, there may be nothing for them to vote on. I think about 25 parishes in the state have local elections, either candidates or propositions. But in the remaining parishes, if you're not registered with the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, you're not able to participate. And so when people step into the booth to vote, and let's say they're registered as independent, they may discover that certain things are just locked. They can't vote for them. That's right. Or they may never even make it to the booth if they're in one of these parishes that doesn't have a, a local race or a proposition mm -hmm. on the Looking ahead to the general election, is there anything voters need to know now in order to be able to vote then? Well, it's just always a great idea for voters to check the status of their registration. If it's been a few years since you voted or if you've moved since you last voted, you need to check the status of your registration. Make sure you're registered. Do your homework. Be prepared 20 to 30 days out from the election or more. Election officials across the country have been dealing with elevated numbers of threats ahead of the 2024 presidential race. How are registrars of voters preparing for that here in Louisiana? Well, we've been very fortunate not to have problems in that regard um, too much. Emotions are riding high in these national elections for sure. And so, you know, we're just doubling our efforts to make sure that that we're prepared. We've got every I dotted and every T crossed, you know, it, it's so important that there's just very little margin for error um, in our elections, you know, and, and it's it's more important than ever that we do things correctly on our end and that the voter has a very, a very smooth experience when they show up to vote. We're speaking with Steve Rayburn, president of the Louisiana Registrar of Voters Association and the Registrar of Voters in East Baton Rouge Parish about the upcoming elections in March the deadline to register to vote online is this Saturday. Uh, what must Louisianans do to accomplish this? Well, if you need to update your registration or to register to vote, the only way to do that now uh, for the upcoming election is to do so online. We've already passed the deadline for in-person or by mail registration. Um, and so the Secretary of State has got a, a really great website uh, at govote.com. And that's the, the Louisiana spelling, the G-E-A-U-X 
vote.com. Um, and you can register to vote online so long as you have a Louisiana driver's license or a Louisiana identification card. You've, you've got to be able to have that audit code available from that ID or driver's license uh, to be able to submit your registration online um, and to be timely for this this upcoming election. For someone who has not looked closely at their license, that uh, that four digit number, where do they find that on their license? <laughs> it's it, it, it's at the bottom of the license, you know, in in very small print. But that's really information that only you would have, and so that that's why that code is necessary mm -hmm. uh, to be able to accomplish the online registration piece. What about early voting? When does that begin? Early voting begins on March 9th uh, in Louisiana and runs through March 16th. Uh, it's a Saturday to, to a Saturday, closed on Sundays in Louisiana. Um, but statewide um, locations are open from 8.30 a.m. to 6 p.m., uh, generally every day through this period. Now, there are some locations in, in some parishes that have part-time sites that are not open every day. Mm -hmm. uh, so check with your registrar of voters or check the, the Secretary of State's website. The Secretary of State's website is, is such a great resource. Uh, they have a, a voter portal. You can look your name up, view your sample ballot view your uh, early voting locations in your parish. You can even sign up for alerts uh, by text message or email whenever your sample ballot is, is available or whenever elections, uh, early voting begins, election day. It's, it's just really a great resource for voters. Mm -hmm. When does absentee voting begin and end? Well, absentee voting is already underway in every parish around the state. Um, every, every parish has their absentee ballots and I, I believe surely by now everyone, each parish has done their initial mail out of absentee. The last day to request an absentee ballot is March 19th, except for some limited situations for military and overseas voters and, and hospitalized voters. We have mentioned the ID. Is it helpful to have that if you're voting in person? Yes. Um, you know, Louisiana is a state requiring um, identification at the polls. Mm -hmm. uh, and so a, a voter does need to bring a, a photo ID uh, with them to the polls on Election Day or during early voting. We do have some alternatives. We have an aff affidavit situation for someone who does not have an ID to, to be able to identify themselves. But generally speaking, voters are required to, to bring their ID with them to the polls if they have one. Does the L.A. wallet suffice as an ID? It does. It does. And I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, we do accept the L.A. wallet uh, app um, you know, here for, as voter ID. Any last advice for folks interested in voting and participating? Well, as I mentioned before, I think it's just a great idea to, to do your homework. Um, take a look at your sample ballot before you go to the polls, especially for elections in the fall. It'll be a very long ballot. There will probably be constitutional amendments and propositions on the ballot. And the longer the ballot is, the, the more time it takes to vote. And we do encourage voters to you know know where their polling place is, be prepared by knowing what's on their ballot. Um, and, and just, you know, it, it, it makes for a much more pleasant experience uh, at the polling place. Steve Rayburn, president of the Louisiana Registrar of Voters Association. Thanks for the information and your time. Thank you. From WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge, you've been listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Bob Pavlovich. 
Thanks to our guests, Stephanie Grace, the Times-Picayune, the Advocate's editorial director and columnist, Father John D. Cunningham, Vice President of Mission and Identity at Loyola University, New Orleans, and Steve Rayburn, President of the Louisiana Registrar of Voters Association. Our producers are Matt Bloom, Adam Voss, and Aubrey Procell. Our engineer, Garrett Pittman. You can listen to Louisiana Considered Monday through Friday at noon and 7 p.m. It's available on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Bob Pavlovich. Thanks for listening. Major support for Louisiana Considered provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience. More at rouses.com with additional support from Southern Strategy Group.